of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course, the music. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy during this really intense week. Uh, This episode is out on Election Day 2020, so I know we're all feeling so many different things. Fear, anxiety, excitement, hope, um, so many different emotions could be going on, and With that, I actually just want to take a moment to kind of encourage us. See, the outcome of this election does weigh a lot on many of us, especially those of marginalized communities. But in truth, even if Biden does win, that does not mean our work is done. It's up to us to hold him and his entire cabinet accountable to the promises made on the campaign trail. And on top of that, we have to push even further with our progressive agenda to create a more equitable and opportune country. Really, in either outcome, it boils down to community. No matter who sits at the head of this country, whoever has that seat as president, our protest, our advocacy, our mutual aid to keep each other safe and healthy is going to still be important and it's still going to be a priority 
for us to continue to function, especially during this pandemic. We have to keep pushing against systemic injustices and continue to do the work to make the spaces we occupy inclusive and sustainable. The work is nowhere near done, no matter what happens on election day. And it's just a matter of if we've got an easier shot at convincing our government to do what is best for the people. Can we negotiate with a centrist or are we going to be fighting uphill against a fascist? I don't know yet. I hope certainly it's going to be slightly easier, but it's hard to say. Regardless, though, no matter what happens, we have to stay together and we have to stand together. I hope knowing that there is a community with you in either outcome of this election brings you peace or at least a moment of it. Knowing that there are people I can talk to who share my belief structure, who believe in so much better for our communities, to me, that's what keeps me going. Knowing that these moments, they don't have to be forever and we can make things better. We have the power to, even if it doesn't feel like it. So I hope that you find that same power too. Okay, so now let's move into this week's guest. I'm joined by Josh Shaw, also known as Black Hippie. Josh has been long interested in music from his love of the peanuts all the way to all these different things that have sparked his creativity as he grew up. His project Black Hippie is a gorgeous example of his steps into exploring a variety of creative fields. Josh joined this week to talk about the origins of Black Hippie, being a creative, teaching himself so many different aspects of music, what his goals are, his latest singles, and so much more. So with that, let's hear more Black Hippie and then get into the interview.
Well, welcome, Josh, to Anger Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going? Uh, things are getting uh, as good as they can be in a global pandemic, but I can't <laughs> complain, honestly. That's where I've been at, too. That's generally what I, I end up telling people. Is I'm like, as good as can be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> are things going okay in Memphis? Yeah, um, we're, we're doing better than, our, uh, than some of the other, I feel like, cities and states around the country. We've been pretty good. We had, like, a spike. Mm-hmm. in about like may or june but we've been coming down a little bit we're starting to open more stuff up so i expect another spike but uh they haven't been too bad people have been wearing their masks people have been like mean and angry about it but they haven't n- n- we don't have any like massive like mass protests or anything so that's good at least yeah. that probably makes it at least a little bit easier to stay safe that's for sure <laughs> i'm florida based so it's totally it feels like it changes um, the wind right now <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. We're still hanging in there and I'm still bunkered down. I haven't really been doing anything outside of the house since March. So this is my social time and I get to hang out with you. So this is going to be great. (laughs) I am so excited to dig into everything Black Hippie with you. But uh, first, let's kind of talk about how you first began to play music. How did that begin for you? I started playing music. Um... Well, I remember I, I, I split it up into like distinctive parts of what led to it. When I was mm-hmm. a kid, I, me and my brother were obsessed with like, you know, the little comic strip Peanuts and like the little mm-hmm. movies or whatever. And in like one of the movies they had like this Beethoven piece, which I don't, I remember the name, but I'm, I'm not going to pronounce it on the air because like, I don't, I'm going to pronounce it super ghetto. So I'm just not going to do that. But there's a Beethoven <laughs> piece in it. So, and it was on this old like Casio keyboard we had. So fast forward to I was like 12 and we had the same Casio piano and like there's this tiny little screen where it shows the notes being played. Mm-hmm. So you could pause it each time the notes change. So I did that and taught myself that song. And my parents were like, oh, this little homeschooled weirdo needs to like, needs to do something extracurricular. And he's like, he's playing piano. So let's try to push him to piano. Cause they saw I had like an aptitude for it. So I, when I was 12, I started like classical piano lessons mm-hmm. and did that until I was 18. And then I went to college. I was like a marketing major. And I played like a, I played piano for some girl at an open mic during like my first month of my uh, freshman year. Mm-hmm. and somebody was like you should be like a music major and I was like oh my gosh peer pressure yes totally. <laughs> that sounds awesome I want to be cool and have friends so I wrote my parents <laughs> I went to the English class and we had to write about a music profession for our first paper and I wrote about a bunch of music jobs and I like lied a bunch in that paper like I skewed a lot of statistics everything was like you can make six figures because I was I was giving I sent it to my parents to pr- quote-unquote proofread but mostly be like hey I want to change majors like, <laughs> I ended up switching, switching to um, music. It's like it's entertainment music industry major or whatever. So it's like, you know, recording, production, like publishing, all, business, all the, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, so I started like writing songs. I had a songwriting class my first semester of my sophomore year. And I was writing some garbage, like just terrible songs. <laughs> and um, my, I remember my professor being like, hey, man, you really didn't really, I don't think you really tried hard in this class. And I didn't have the heart to tell him. Sadly, I did, sir. <laughs> um, so um, fast forward to like the end of that um, semester, uh, I had a friend that was killed. And then I had my, I lost my grandmother. And then I had like a girlfriend break up with me, like all in like a two and a half month period, like, like at the beginning of the summer. Wow. And I was like, I'm sad. I'm going to like do something. So I decided to write songs. And that's kind of where, that was also the year I picked up guitar. And it was easier to write on guitar than piano because I was too, I, like, 
sounds weird. I was really good at piano, so it was really hard for me to write lyrics. I feel like I get all my emotion out through my playing. Mm. So guitar, I was like, I know five chords and have a capo. Let's <laughs> go with it. So um, that's kind of how I got musical start was doing that. And like that, my junior year, I started, I recorded the first Black Hippie EP, which no one ever heard. <laughs> I up like a few of my friends. It was like this weird lo-fi experimental thing I did in my dorm room with a bunch of the songs I'd written over the summer and like newer songs I'd written. So that's kind of, I got like my musical start. I love that. I love how you've got kind of these like chapters within your journey and stuff from like loving the peanuts, probably picking up on those Schroeder vibes and (laughs) (laughs) which is so good. I love that (laughs) to like, you know, kind of getting this push to be like, okay, I'm going to do this for real now. Mm. Um, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that you switched like your major to be more music, music centered and stuff. Mm. Um, you know, what were some things that you ended up learning in that program that maybe you use right now that you think was just like, yeah, that was worth it. I'm glad I, I exposed myself to this stuff. I feel like my major was like, so well-rounded, you had to learn a little bit of everything. So it was Mm kind of like the whole gist of it was to be a master of none to know how to do a bunch of stuff, but not just be like, especially good at one thing, but like you gotta be pretty good at everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that mindset has helped me so much in music now because like when I graduated, I didn't know what to do. Like I had a, I had an EP under like, I think I was going by St. John at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I wanna get signed. So I was just like spamming emails to like labels. <laughs> it was just like info dot like sub pop. And I'm like, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like having to, being in a major that was not you sit around one thing but sit around multiple you have to be multifaceted you have to have the mindset of you have to we have to have this mindset where like I have to be able to do everything even if I don't know how to do it I got to figure it out in the moment and I feel like that, taking that from college and applying it to like professional being a professional musician I'm not saying I am I still have jobs <laughs> um, but it, taking it to that like it helped me because like I was thinking all these random classes because sometimes you'd be like okay you have to take like a music like a theory class but you also have to take like a like a PR class. It's like, okay, I don't know anything about PR. Mm-hmm. And what what are you gonna do? Like fail the class? No, you have to show up and figure it out on the spot. And I think about look at it, look at it with that now. When I first started playing guitar live, I was like, I'm not really good at guitar. And then when I started getting better and I had more gear, I was like, okay, how do I how do I set up a pedal, like a guitar pedal chain? And where we have to go on in five minutes. Okay, how do I figure that out? It's all about like because like with music now, I feel like with the ever changing, like how the industry's ever changed, you always have to be able to like do something on the spot if you can't don't know how, what to do. And mm-hmm. like college, all that was with like the classes, even my internship, I didn't. My internship wasn't even in music. It was in like I was working for a uh, a public asset station. I was like filming and doing a bunch of other stuff. So like another thing, I didn't know how to do from college. Got thrown into and had to figure it out. So I feel like that's kind of what took from college was having to figure everything out. That's so important because I feel like you're right especially when you're trying to pursue like independent music and stuff, uh, you kind of have to learn how to figure out how to do everything. And whether you're the musician or anybody who's just trying to contribute to that to any capacity, like if you want to be a part of a label or if you want to do promotion and stuff, you kind of have to teach yourself how to do it all. So that's really awesome that you have that motivation to just be like, yeah, I'm going to learn this and we're going to see where it takes me and use it how I can. Exactly. And like our our major is so small, there's probably only like, there's one professor for about fluctuating between like 20 and probably 30 kids pretty much. Oh, wow. like that. So he, like our professor had too much time. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but he didn't have time to like sit there and hold our hands through stuff. If you didn't know, you had to figure it out. You could right. ask, you may be able to ask a question, but it was like, Hey, recording class, 
like me and one of my old roommates, like we just like bunkered down in the recording studio. And we're just like, all right, we got to figure this out. Like figure out these assignments, figure this out. Because mm-hmm. we, we can't, when you have like one, a one to 20 student ratio, you can't just be over there like, let me hold your hand. Let me teach you how to do this. And that's how it is in like the real world. No one's going to hold your hand. No one's going to be like, okay, you want to make music? Let me help. No, it's like, you want to make music? You got to figure it out. You want to play shows, book shows? You got to figure it out. Like mm-hmm. everything is always, you got to figure it out. And I feel like my, my parents already instilled that in me from a young age. And I feel like going to college and having that reiterated was like mm-hmm. the best thing for me. Because if not, I would have been like super lazy and I wouldn't have really done it even as much as I've done now. I wouldn't have done. Because I'd have been like, oh, okay, if I like, if I don't know it, that's fine. I just won't do that. Then, you know, I don't know. I feel like it helped a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you mentioned that like your parents kind of instilled that in you when you were younger and stuff too. Um, if I remember right too, your band name comes from a nickname you had as a child. Yeah. Uh, being Black Hippie. Can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah. you know, maybe how that name inspires you now today. So I grew up like vegan and had my parents had a garden in the backyard. Oh, cool. And like, and, like we were in like the city, we weren't in like the country. And um I was a weird kid. I wasn't like, I was weird in the way of like, I don't know. I like, I could entertain myself, but mm-hmm. I would do it in a very strange and weird way. And I was, <laughs> I was always eccentric. And the older I got, I got more and more eccentric. eccentric. So my mom was like, oh, you're just my little black hippie. And I kind of just stuck. She used to call me that a lot when I got older. And I started getting in college and stuff. And like, that name just kind of stuck. As you know, I was wearing skinny jeans, the basketball games I was playing, you know, it was just like, <laughs> yeah I, I, I was a little much and I feel like uh my mom just kept calling me that. especially like I feel like my first year in college I heard that all the time so I was like going through like a lot of fashion changes too she's like just my little black hippie so that kind of like Aww. stuck with me and it kind of reminded me a lot of being like growing up different and weird as a kid and stuff like that and I feel I like I don't know I liked the name because like I feel like it encapsulates growing up weird and black and like different so I feel mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of like avenues for that a lot of the times so I feel like name, naming my band that would be of like a ba- basically a big neon sign of like, hey, weird black dudes here or whatever. You know, <laughs> That's totally true. And like, um, I like how it's so honest about, you know, who you are in that sense. And I love so much how much you clearly embrace the things that make you unique and eccentric and stuff whenever it comes to like your tastes and your fashion and stuff like that, because um, I think that's like a really important life lesson in general to just kind of like embrace your weirdness. And it's just like, it's awkward growing up being the weird kid, but it's yeah. so awesome growing up to be the weird kid, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cause like everybody, everybody hates the weird kid until you're in your twenties and that weird kid's the coolest person. And you're like, oh, cause the weird kid is probably the one that turned out the funniest, mm-hmm. the most well-adjusted, even though they're not well-adjusted, you know what I mean? The most able, easy to cope and stuff. They're always the coolest people, weird kids make the party when they get older but yeah as as a kid it's like you're just like man this sucks and you get older you're like oh man dude i'm so cool and then you don't i feel like you don't peak so i feel like the weird kids are Mm -hmm. never the ones that peaked in high school that's so true i mean i was the weird kid i feel like i still am the weird kid truthfully even within diy but like um i mean i've i've pretty much had that as i feel like a part of my identity ever Mm. since i was a child and stuff being the awkward geek who like over obsessed over like fandoms like star wars and like being the one who's always finding the weird music or you know just being that personality that people don't vibe with but i'm like i'm never bored and i never have like a shortage of like ideas and creativity exactly yeah like i was um i mean i was like i played sports in high school which being weird and playing sports was like really funny because like (laughs) you're with the jocks 
but like you're not with the jocks you know what I mean like, you, like yeah you play games but they make fun of you and you're like why we're all the same team man <laughs> and um I don't I just, I just like think about like reading fan fictions on the way to games yes <laughs> and that's just like the like funniest place to be like a weird kid was like I feel like I was in the lion's den a little bit because you're like I was like yeah I'm a jock you know I'm really good at basketball or whatever <laughs> and then it's just like hey you're weird and I'm like oh man forgot I'm weird it's everything now <laughs> this social hierarchy does not exist for me I feel yeah. like I feel like I feel like what Zac Efron and High School Musical except at the end of it I don't get the girl by myself it's kind of like that vibe <laughs> <laughs> that's such a mood I mean I've never been athletic but my parents were like you're gonna try sports and I remember basically having the same mood as what exactly what you're describing so like yeah. I understand so much, <laughs> but it's so good that like, you know, that, that part of your personality, it clearly fed into you being somebody who's really creative and producing really awesome stuff now as an adult. Um, I'm kind of curious about um, who are you listening to as you were kind of building your taste and style in music and um, maybe even who motivated you? That's, that's a good question. So I feel like, once again, I'll, I'll probably speak in the same way. I was talking about just like starting music. So when I was a kid, I listened to a lot of like 80s music, of course, like Police. Mm-hmm. My dad really like Clapton. Um, my mom was really into like NDRE, a lot of the 90s R&B, a lot of 80s R&B, like Luther Vandross, stuff like that, Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, God, like literally like every like everything, everything that's big from every decade I was listening to. My dad like Queen, <laughs> like every, like it was a huge melting pot. And I remember a lot, like Nora Jones, when she started coming out, my mom was obsessed with her and like Alicia Keys and DRE, like mm-hmm. all this massive amounts is like every single genre didn't matter. If it was like good, my parents are listening to it and kind of push that on me. So fast forward to when I was, I think 11 was my brother got his MP3 player. So we shared an MP3 player. And that mm-hmm. was when I was able to find out music. So I was listening to like gangster rap and like, I got into rock through like, um, I don't even remember, like the people that did the, it was like this, um, Japanese rock band that did the Teen Titans theme song. Yes. Yes, Puffy on Mimi. So like that was my yes. first that and them and Lincoln Park were my first rock finds. <laughs> I so love I was this. listening to a lot of those. And then fast forward to when I was in high school, I was listening to a lot of like rap. Kanye and K- Kid Cudi were like are still like some of my like, even though Kanye's oh God, I'm not gonna talk about current Kanye. <laughs> I feel like I have to smoke like a pack of cigarettes to talk about Kanye now. But um <laughs> But like Kid Cudi and Kanye like really shaped a lot of my music, especially Kanye, because Kanye was like doing so much with like songs and song structure mm-hmm. that it was, which completely contrasted my classical upbringing that was just like, oh my God, this is music. So I got into them in high school. And then about right before my junior years, I started getting into indie rock. So like mm-hmm. I got into The Strokes, which is still like my all-time favorite band. So I was getting to The Strokes. I got into Daughter. I got into um, uh, this, this like Swedish, no, German songwriter named dylan which her stuff was a um, super good um so i started getting just a lot of like indie rock and i got an nerd that year too mm-hmm. like older pharrell and then fast forward to college i got a rhapsody subscription for like my first semester for music appreciation and i just started i went crazy with indie rock i was listening to any and everybody because oh my god remind me later um but i was just listening to everybody anybody i could get my hands on of like what was suggested anything so like that's when i started getting to like a lot more like indie rock. And then like when I started writing, like writing, writing was the year I got into Bon Iver and The Antlers. And those mm. two 
the Antlers Hospice and Bon Iver's first two records was what I listened to on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And the that and then when Julian Casablancas, I found out about Julian Casablancas and the Voids. It was my sophomore year, and I was listening to that during all the bad stuff that happened to me that summer before my junior year. All the like, so like Hospice by the Antlers, and then Kanye, Kid Cudi. The Strokes, and then the Strokes, the Julian Casablanca's Voice record, Tyranny, fully shaped what I am as a musician. I feel like in terms of like the stuff I write, because the the, the Julian Casablanca's Voice Tyranny record was the weirdest thing I was listening to at the time. It was heavy, it was weird, it was like distorted, it was angry, but also was soft and like sincere at the same time. Because there, because like the structure of it was like there was a ten minute song where where it like chronicled the stages of grief and like there's a minute pretty much dedicated to each one of those. And it was like changing keys and stuff. And it was super complex, but super angry. And I love that because I was like, I was angry. I was always angry. I had a really bad temper as a kid, but I was always angry about like bad things happening. And I was like, I can't control them. And I had all this like pent up rage over it. And I was like, you know, I'm not cool. I don't like, can't like box. I'm not cool like that. So I was like, I just took it out of <laughs> my music. It was like talking about like what I was feeling in my emotions. And that was the only way I could express it. So like, those records and all those artists was like what kind of pushed me to do it and I feel like Kid Cudi was the straw that broke the camel's back of pushing me to do music mm-hmm. in 2015 in the fall or winter he dropped a grunge album mm-hmm. and everybody gave him crap for that grunge album I don't care that grunge album has some really good songs on it and that grunge album was I was listening to that and I remember before it came out he said I play guitar and bass on this whole record and I was like but I don't, he doesn't really play that. He mostly like a hip hop guy. Yeah. And I listened to it and I was like, if he, he sat here and did a grunge album, he's a hip hop guy. I only, I don't know much about guitar, but I can sit here and write my songs and produce something. So he, like him doing Speedy Bill to Heaven was what the final push I had in order to like write my own songs and care about them and produce them and stuff like that. That's incredible because I feel like whenever you start to see people who um, experiment with other instruments too, that mm-hmm. are like, you know, maybe that's not their primary mode of making music or whatever. It's very motivating because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I, they can do that. I can at least try and see where it yeah. takes me and stuff. And it's so great that you had this, um, you had Kid Cudi in your ear, basically yeah. being like, yeah, yeah, let's, this is inspiring. Yeah. And then all these other artists, which I love the variety that you like shared with me because that I feel like is what has shaped you to have such a unique sound to your music mm-hmm. because I couldn't pin a, a genre to it if I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I um, like, I also think a lot of our, like a lot of the other bandmates I have, like, cause I, I'm like the primary songwriter in like Paris and whatever, but like a lot of like what everybody adds to it, we all have like really short attention spans. We all listen to some, so much different music mm-hmm. in our lives as compared to each other as well. So like, we all just kind of give our own flavor to it. But like, I don't like, like, I never, I remember I went through this phase when I was like my freshman, I was like, I'm like right before my freshman year, my dad bought me Pro Tools. Mm. And that was like the, to the downfall of me ever making a lot of money. But um, <laughs> I, um, I remember being like, I think genres are stupid. I was like in the car with him, leaving guitar center. I was like, dude, genres are so stupid. I was like, I feel like all they do is trap people, man. I never want to conform to genres. And I want to like just make genreless music. And of course I was just an arrogant, like 18 year old. <laughs> So like me looking at that now is like so cringe, but at the same time I was like, I don't I don't like having to try to label my music, but like you kind of have to, because mm-hmm. like you know like how are you gonna submit to playlists? How are you gonna submit to blogs if you're like, oh we like this music? What are you? It's like I don't know. They'll figure it out. It's like no. So like that's why I kind of like, that's that's why we end up doing like the whole uh, sad boy indie rock 
I love that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so like the funny story about that, when the old guitar players of the band, me and him were like really good, like best friends in college. I still love the guy. Um, we used to live together uh, some years ago and we were like trying to figure, I think we were, we were working on our Facebook page. And this was like, I want to say it was like 1 a.m. on like a Thursday night because we started drinking on a Thursday night, even though we had to work Friday. At the time, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was horrible. Full work day, hungover is bad idea. But we were both like super drunk. And I was like, hey, man. He's like, yeah. I was like, bro, how about sad boy indie rock? I was like, oh, dude, that's perfect. I was like, yeah, bro. That's exactly what we are. <laughs> and then we woke up next morning and kept it. And then like, I love it today. Because like that, I feel like fully encapsulates what we do. Because like what we what we do is still within sim, the semi-confines of indie rock. And it's sad. So I'm like, bam, sad boy indie rock. But <laughs> <laughs> it totally fits. And I think also, you know, I've heard people saying just things like sad boy indie rock and stuff. And like, mm. even just those kind of names and stuff, but it's like, I feel like you have your own twist on that kind of vibe of music in a sense where it's just mm -hmm. like, there's so much more um, vibrancy to it than I think what a lot of people expect when they hear yeah. like indie or even emo and stuff. Yeah, I do this weird thing and I didn't start really realizing I did this until recently was I'll write a song, like I'll write a progression, I'll write a guitar lick or something like that. And then I have like an idea of what that is. Mm -hmm. And then that stays the same with that idea. And then with lyrics, I have a different idea, a different like mental vibe of what that song is. Mm -hmm. And then when we get to the recording, I have a totally different vibe. So basically it's like this like layers of just my feelings on top of on top of it. So like the final product is completely different for what the beginning is, but it still kind of is like it is at the beginning. And I don't, I think it's like, I probably just like think too much, but <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoy kind of how that turns out. Cause I always like, every time I like, that's why I started getting into like, um, we started like going to studios and like recording with other people. Cause I was like, I want what their, their vibe is as well on top of this. Cause I want it to turn out to be completely different than what the original, it originally was, but still be what it originally was. That makes sense. And it's like, you get to kind of capture the best elements as you go through that evolution mm -hmm. of sound, your first intention, yeah. all the way up to what the end result is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It always turns out pretty good at but I, we always find a way to hate it at some point, but it's fine. <laughs> I feel like that's the nature of art. That's totally, yeah. that's totally normal. <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to burn it down, then it's, it's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fair. So you mentioned that you're the primary songwriter, of course, of Black Hippie. Can you talk to me a little bit about your songwriting process? So usually, um, so usually I'll, Cause I, like I said, like I work at School of Rock is one of my jobs. So I'm always around an instrument. So it's usually like, if I'm feeling some strong emotion, I might write some, jot some lyrics down and leave them for later and I'll pick them up later. Mm -hmm. Or I'll like play piano or I'll play a guitar and I'll end up like come with a chord progression or a guitar lick. Cause like our song Bunk Bed, I just picked up a guitar and played that lick. And I was like, I hate this, I'm not gonna use it. And then I changed the capo, changed the tuning. And I was like, okay, I actually like it. But <laughs> so usually like I'll come up with something and then I live with my drummer. Um, so I'll go to him and we'll play it together. And then we'll kind of like, cause I like, I'll kind of have like an idea of the map and he makes it work. Cause mm -hmm. we'll like change tempos and change like key signatures, like time signatures, stuff like that. And he's like, he's so good. He's a really good drummer. He's also a math tutor. So he's like very mathematical. He always nice. like beats on his chest. So just be like, okay, I think I got it. Like, just try this. So we'll, then we'll jam, we'll jam it together. And then I'll tab out the other guitar parts for our other guitar player. Cause he'll write some songs if he's not writing he's like just him what to play and i was like cool so i'll tap stuff out for him and then i'll send the chords and the key to the bass player 
mm-hmm. and give them a couple of days and then we all come together and just work through it, work through it. And usually what we'll do is like, we'll practice in sections. So we'll take the verse, we're going to run the voice verse on repeat until we get exactly what we want and what the feeling mm-hmm. we want that is. And then do the chorus the same way. And then we jam it back and forth, jam it back and forth until we, we kind of, everything gels together. That's usually how it goes usually. And then like, but if like Casey will write a song cause he's like, he's, he can play guitar. Mm-hmm. My, that's my drummer. Or if Maddie, my uh, guitar player, other guitar player or Charles or, or Tyler, our bass player, they come up with something then it just kind of reverses. It, then all of it is just brought into the whole band and then we jam it out. That's so awesome. Usually, yeah. That's a great way to kind of um, just kind of continue to build off of different mm-hmm. vibes that each of you have, kind of like what you were talking about before. Yeah, because we'll either write songs really fast or really slow. It's either like, bam, we got it in one, in one rehearsal or, or like, we'll play it. I'm like, hold on, let me go back to the drawing board and we'll come back to this. Because we, we, we've, 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 we've shelved a, a fair amount of songs because I'm like, it's not where it needs to be yet. Mm-hmm. So let's not worry about it. Let's work on something else and we'll come back to it. I love that it's good that you're able to kind of just kind of revisit songs over time mm-hmm. and really get them to where you want them. I kind of noticed that like you have your demo versions of like um, Rhodes Ave and like Bunk Bed and stuff and yeah. you have these different recordings. What do you kind of done with these songs that you feel like kind of shows the the ways that you've kind of maybe enhanced them and grown them? And also, what do you really love about these songs? Man, I'll take, I'll, I'll do Rhodes first. I think Rhodes is what, Rhodes, I've had Rhodes Avenue for the longest. Cause I wrote Rhodes, the chord progression when I was in jazz piano. I went back, I went back back to college after I graduated mm-hmm. to like get a second bachelor's. So I remember being in jazz piano and we were learning about like the two, five, one progression or whatever. And I remember fooling with that and ended up coming with the chord progression of Rhodes. And I was like, it's a really good chord progression. And I got nervous. I was like, bro, I can't make this suck. So I didn't touch it for like months. <laughs> but with Rhodes, I felt like the recording, I think what I missed about the recording was that trumpet. That trumpet was cool. But um, I feel like the whole purpose of that was for me to have Every, know everything I wanted in that song so we got to the studio we wouldn't waste time but I feel like Rhodes was I don't feel like Rhodes was enhanced with just how it's, it sounded so much more garage rock instead of lo-fi which I mm-hmm. loved um and then I think with Bunk Bed Bunk Bed had the screaming was added which was dope and then the, the little guitar solo thing in the background which wasn't there originally so I feel like that both kind of elevated it mm-hmm. and I feel like if and that's kind of like my benchmark now for just recording in general is making sure we like garage we like bootleg demo at our house so i can have all the synth parts in so like i'll write all the synth parts have those in all my lead guitar parts any extra guitar parts written and done so we get to the studio because we're like broke so we can't be in the studio for like weeks it's like it's usually like like that session was like we have like 10 hours to do two songs from scratch let's get it so like because of that i'm like i love having the demos to like have everything set so then when you're in the studio that cuts off a couple hours once you already know and then you can re-listen and be like okay what am i missing what is it missing mm-hmm. and then that's how like you can tell the difference between what the the demos and like the singles that dropped because there was little tiny things added because those are little tiny flares that need to be added and we wouldn't have realized that if we were still trying to like figure out like oh man it doesn't sound big enough maybe we should add another guitar like you know we were still in that mindset we yep. completely missed the little the little tiny things that could have been added so i feel like the little tiny little tiny crumbs added like stretched the gap between those songs and like made them better that's amazing. And it's so great that you have kind of the chance to also like track your growth with these songs too, in a sense mm-hmm. of like these demos and stuff, they give you kind of like almost like a benchmark of growth that you see. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've used them in a really beautiful way. Like at the start of the pandemic, you released your demos EP as like a fundraiser for service workers, which is yeah, really freaking was, cool. That was, that was cool and extremely stressful because 
I announced that on Facebook and then realized I had none of the lyrics written. Uh-oh. Two days from it. And I was like, oh God, why did I do that? And it was because like upcoming on a Bandcamp Friday. And at mm-hmm. the time I didn't know there were gonna be other Bandcamp Fridays. So I was just like, oh crap. So it forced me. So I'm a procrastinator. I'm a huge procrastinator. Like I was Mr. 2, 3 a.m. paper guy, day of oh. paper guy in college. <laughs> so it forced me to write all those lyrics. I love them all. And that was how I was able to like do it because I was like forced to. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was really because like I know I was I still work at a restaurant, but I was working at a restaurant then. And my parents had like knew I wouldn't because I, I had a re- upper respiratory infection at the beginning of COVID. Oh, wow. So I was like, I'm not going anywhere because I had pneumonia twice two years ago. So like I get a respiratory infection every spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, but my parents, they were like, hey, we'll give you a couple hundred dollars to pay rent this month. I was like, dude, there's some people that don't have that. So I was like, let's get some songs out. People know us, know about us enough to give us some money so you can definitely raise money. I was able to like help some people, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. I was just like aggressively cash apping all day. I'm <laughs> just being like, get some money. I was like, all right. Do, 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 do this person did do, do, do this person and because i was like i just got into a bunch of like local groups mm-hmm. on facebook in memphis to just people that need to help with written stuff and i was just sending money as much as i could um it was it was cool um glad i was able to actually do something to help you know because like it other than that i would just be like sit around and be like hey dude i'm sorry so i was glad i was able to actually do something that's incredible and like the fact that you pushed it into your local community as well is just so important I always respect the hell out of people who have that mentality when it comes to like being able to just like pay it forward and put it back into the space you occupy and stuff. So I just thought that was really freaking cool. And like, what a great way to make use of the demos because not only are you going to be able to use that to like help these people during a really shitty and like tumultuous time, but it's like, it also Mm kind of serves as a fun teaser for everybody too. Like this is, this is the direction we're going in. This isn't the final, but you can kind of get like a first Mm -hmm. like taste of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) I'm glad it worked. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, I picked a couple of your songs to be able to talk about just because like top three that I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm obsessed. We got to dig into these. And like, when I went into like uh, your, one of your EPs, I fell in love with Hotel Lobby. Oh, because, <laughs> oh my gosh that song has got such a neat like swirling kind of swooning vibe to yeah. it I feel it feels like at some points you've got just like that hint of like rockabilly pop to it oh yeah so so good oh yeah I was in a um I was in this music program two years ago uh-huh it was some it was I'm not gonna admit, mention the name because uh, I don't want to because I'm gonna throw shade at it it was kind of crappy but okay. I, get, I get I got Belong and Hotel Lobby out of that with like little assignments I had to turn in. Mm-hmm. So I had this, I wrote this song um, about this girl I dated for like a very short amount of time and we became friends. And I totally like thought she'd be cool with me writing this song, but she totally wasn't. So that was a whole oh. thing. But um, cause I felt really bad. I was like, dude, I didn't know if you didn't like it. But basically like the whole premise was like, you go to a hotel, uh, like you see a girl in Hotel Lobby and like you fall in love with her, you're like, oh my God, you're amazing. You finally, like after chasing her for forever, you realize that she's, not, she's kind of not that great of a person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, so I was like, I can relate to that. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that if they dated me, because I was probably that person. But yeah, so like the swooning thing, that, that's crazy how like the whole rockabilly thing came around. Because like, I had been fooling around with chord progressions for it forever. And once again, the day before it was due, Mr. Procrastinator, um, I came with this chord progression. And it was just like... Um, like a, I'm not going to talk an extra music term for no reason. It was just like a capo three G E minor C and then D dominant seven. And I was like, Oh, it sounds really cool. And I was like, I played it. And I was like, this sounds like one of those like 
like bump bums one of them's like uh frank you know uh, frankie valley kind of kind of vibe yeah so then so the demo of it's really fun. i should have released a demo somewhere at some time because it's really funny because like me and my room my old guitar player roommate we were just like clapping in the uh hallway of our very tiny apartment and like recorded after the claps in the background and um it was right after i just got i got cured from pneumonia so i was really feeling myself when i was doing that demo so i was doing those high notes i was like oh yeah i can breathe so the kind of, that's kind of the story that was just like a bootleg demo done the day before and then we've i forgot i wrote it because like i almost we were trying to like we got our new drummer casey who's our current drummer we were like oh we need more songs we, you know we can't be playing covers or whatever and uh blake our old guitar player was like hey do you remember hotel lobby and i was like yeah sure dude and we did it and i was like oh man i hate this song and then it becomes like everybody loves hotel lobby and i'm like god i was like i feel i just feel embarrassed because i was like oh man i wrote a song about a girl instead of my depression and i'm like oh man you gotta have at least that <laughs> but one. It, it's a good song i really like my, dude my mom loves hotel lobby the the sun like rises and sets on hotel lobby my mom loves hotel lobby <laughs> um like uh but like sometimes we'll play it because like one of my friends in another band sleeping fit uh they'll always like yell at it if they go more to our show well, before pandemic they would come to one of our shows and they'd be in the middle of a set and i'm like hey yo thanks hey god like hey yo, i'm josh and black hippie play hotel lobby and i'm like oh bro and it, we play it every time they sound it they shout it we gotta play it <laughs> noted so if i get oh, to yeah. go to a black hippie show in the future yell, it, yell hotel yell lobby <laughs> we're contractually obligated to play it, to yell it. That, <laughs> awesome i love that that's just that's fantastic i mean i probably would just because it is a jam and you gotta have at least one song that's like to. that that yeah. that cutesy little love song kind of vibe and stuff oh, yeah. and <laughs> I like it because it's like you kind of get to simultaneously get that feeling of getting to know somebody and then like immediately letting go of them and like yeah. you don't hear that too often within music it's usually like falling in love or the breakup you don't exactly. get that full story within a song and that's yeah. what I really like about it and it's and like the placement on the EP because the whole EP the premise of that EP was talking about addiction mm -hmm. and like uh you know it's personal I, I, man I, I, I used to drink a lot so um it was kind of like talking about that and reconciling with it mm -hmm. so like the zoe being like the this whole like course of zoe is you know you're all i have you're all i need don't take it from my veins uh, i need to feel the numb basically like talking about hey man i'm doing something terrible to myself i know it's harming me but like i need it and hotel lobby was like the honeymoon stage of it mm -hmm. and toward the end of it you realize it's not the honeymoon it's like it's actually destroying you and not good for you and stuff like that so like yeah so like it kind of fit because like belong was the um um basically realizing because the whole thing is like is trying to call you back and you'd be like no and then mansion the purpose of mansion was the relapse mm -hmm. and so that was kind of the any that was kind of the whole vibe of that so like hotel lobby fit perfectly for that like ooh, the swooning at the beginning swooning love like oh man i'm loving what i'm doing you know it's just amazing it feels great the euphoria and then toward mm -hmm. the end of it you realize the euphoria is, is worthless mm -hmm. so like it's that's that's why like hotel lobby is like it's a bob it's still a bob <laughs> <laughs> for sure I, I think that's the perfect way to describe it um the other you know the other two i feel like are the given ones to talk about here but like Rhodes avenue i love oh, that Rhodes. because i do Rhodes is so good. Oh, that one is so great i mean i like that it's such a personal ode to like childhood nostalgia yeah and that that chord progression that i know kind of centers it all oh, it's so it's good, so good. <laughs> I, I i find myself unintentionally playing it when there's like awkward silence with me and a student so say, oh, really like, oh yeah say like oh they have to do this or it's talking about something i'm just like playing a little chord progression or whatever it's good so like the whole purpose was like 
I, my parents always listen to a lot of jazz around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So I always, especially for like Thanksgiving and stuff, so I always associated cooking with jazz. So mm-hmm. even now I have to cook the jazz music. So that's like <laughs> the, early, the earliest memories of like early Thanksgiving when I was like a very little, like three or four, listening to jazz in my, like the whole house. It was on Rhodes Avenue. I forgot mm-hmm. the, I forgot the exact uh, street number, like number or whatever. Um, but yeah, so like it was like right when I came to that corporate garage, I was like, it's going to be called Rhodes Ave. It was like, I felt I fell in love with jazz at Rhodes Ave. I've, I always feel connected to like 80s music and jazz, how I feel connected to my childhood a lot. So I was like, has to do that. And then like, I love the the lyrics kind of came to me. That was like, one of the last ones I think I wrote for that demo EP. Mm-hmm. I was like panicking. And then I was like, listen to the song a bunch. And the first thing came to my head was the more you start to pay attention, the wallpaper looks the same. And I was like, oh yeah, because we had wallpaper in our room and it was mm-hmm. super ugly. And no, no, we had wallpaper. No, it was in the living room because our room was yellow for some reason. Um, but I remember the, the wallpaper and it's like, oh, it always looked the same. So the wallpaper looks the same. And then, uh, uh, and it's like, are you here? Is anyone home? I felt so lonely. I, lo- I love how lonely that line was because like, I don't know, like I've always felt like a lot alone a lot in my life. Like mm-hmm. n- not any like particular reason, but I just never like felt comfortable in mm-hmm. my own skin. So I always felt alone. So I feel like, you know, uh, is are you there? Is in no, is anyone home? Yeah, I love that part. And then like I like to come by uninvited and alone. And I just, I thought of, I felt that as like some kind of old someone some someone from your past trying to come back mm-hmm. that is toxic for you. And it's like because I like to show up uninvited and alone. I was like, you know, so I, yeah, I love I love that song. Lyrics suck. <laughs> Even though we got rejected one time, someone said the lyrics need to be more poetic, and I was like, I found that really funny because like. Uh, my, my girlfriend always tell me the random times we get rejected and I'm just like I always love them because they're always funny because like you know, I'll take them personally I'm like oh man I take them I was like you know maybe I should like try harder and like make sure I take them as like constructive criticism but sometimes mm-hmm. you make me giggle though because I don't like I don't I don't I think from like high school basketball I never knew how to take criticism without like smiling because I liked criticism because I was like yeah man I'm not get better so like I always be in like huddles it's like Josh when are you doing this this and I'm just like cheesing it's like why are you cheesing I'm like thank you for, for commenting <laughs> I, thank you for caring <laughs> so but yeah that's that's kind of the story of that it's just me aggressively writing right before it was supposed to be done <laughs> and end up coming like delving into like some part of my subconscious that was able to talk about my childhood in a cool way I love that because I feel like one obviously you thrive under pressure creatively because yeah. you deliver some really meaningful stuff and like the lyrics of that song in particular are just so fantastic but the vocals that you end up putting them to and stuff it gives mm-hmm. off that really strong longing nostalgic vibe to where it just fits so yeah. perfectly with what you're trying to kind of say there too mm-hmm. for sure i've always i've always had this like i've been very lucky and blessed to have a gift of like with melodies and songs mm-hmm. i've never had to come up with a melody every time i've ever written a song it's automatically come to me and i just i've just sung whatever the melody needs to be there and I'm like so lucky because I like I used to go to like school with some people that would struggle. I was struggling like oh should I do this should I do this and I was like man I've always just been able to go with my gut and it's always been exactly what I need and I'm like I'm so lucky I did not take that for granted. <laughs> that <laughs> is a sec- huge gift. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the second I do is gonna be the time I start struggling. So I'm always like I'm always like thank- I'm so glad I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Treasure that. I know a lot of people have to work really hard to get the right melody and for it to come mm. naturally. That's special. Yeah, extremely lucky. I think my daughter has it. She used to be humming and yelling over stuff sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. She's like two and a half and like trying to play drums, trying to do everything. So 
Hopefully, uh, hopefully that pans out into that'd be fun. A, college, a college scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> There's no college fund. It's all on this spin on this guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun for you as she gets older too, to oh, be yeah, able sure. to like play music and stuff. Oh yeah, that's gonna be, I cannot wait. I just hope she has like one of those like high school punk bands that like all, all her songs are about how much I suck and I'm gonna be in the front row. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sing it. Woo. I'll be out back. I'll, I'll, can we take your app out to the car? You're good. All right. Yeah, that's gonna hold my whole aesthetic. <laughs> we need the best band dad ever. <laughs> hey, that 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 person she's angry with, that's me. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. You saw she actually as she called me a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. I told her to put that line in there. Yeah, yeah. She 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 didn't want to push the envelope. I pushed it. She needed to do it. Love you, honey. There's sandwiches in the back. Just walks out. Like, I'm gonna be the band dad of all band dads. It's a wrap. Oh my gosh, I love never that. Never carry her amp. <laughs> that is so good and so pure. <laughs> um, it's so good to hear that you have these kind of like uh, visions for like what you can do with your music, not just for your, yourself, but also for your daughter too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's so special to hear that, especially knowing some of the themes in your music. You do explore some darker stuff sometimes, like mm-hmm. loneliness in particular, and um some some of the harder parts of nostalgia and I feel like you capture that really well in like bunk bed that desire for intimacy when you're kind of facing oh, yeah. this and stuff dude so like the whole concept of the bunk bed was I was trying to think of the most I well, the best metaphor for being so close but yet so far from someone mm-hmm. and you think about the closest the closest intimacy is like laying in bed with somebody mm-hmm. so what if the beds weren't attached and they're above you and it's just isolating you're you're like straight up isolated from them but you still feel close and want the closeness so like the purpose of that song was just to talk about that and I don't know I I was like I wrote that song when I was like going to like a semi like breakup kind of and I I don't know I've always felt so alone in relationships a lot and I mean not the the people I dated's fault I just like I don't I have a weird relationship with intimacy a lot of the time so I wanted to write a song kind of about that and how it makes me feel and it ended up coming on that song so perfectly because I remember thinking about the like and I was like a bunch of metaphors of like you know sitting on a roof you know and the girl trying to like you sit on a roof with the, with the the girl's roof or whatever and she's trying to get you to come inside and like hang out and be there with her and you just feel alone no matter what happens and like no matter like what you guys end up doing you just feel so alone and isolated mm-hmm. and my favorite thing was like I didn't know how much that song hit me until we were recording it in Sun and we were listening back to it it's after I added the guitar solo at the end and I was listening to it and I was like this needs a scream and the guy uh Crockett Hall uh, at Sun was like all right dude let's do it and I would go into that booth and it's just like the whole vibe of the song like I listened to it up into that point and I just like was just yelling my lungs out and it just felt so natural and raw and I felt like I got so much of my own pain out of that so I feel like that song was like I didn't realize it hit me as hard as it did writing it and then like re-listening to it and having that emotion just gonna come out it was like great and I feel like that whole song just encapsulates yeah this like loneliness and intimacy and being feeling like you're supposed to be close to someone and you're not you know what I mean it's just like I love it (laughs) it's powerful it's so powerful and I like that you added the scream in the latest recording and stuff because I feel like that gives it just that extra punch of everything that you've described at Mm -hmm. that point and everything that you've conveyed in the music too of just like yeah this is the real emotion that I'm feeling and here it is Mm -hmm. coming out and I hope that was super like cathartic for you too it felt great and I feel great every time we play it live because like any excuse for me to yell is amazing because I (laughs) I 
I'm not, I'm not good at like opening up. So like, that's like the perfect avenue of just like, I'm just tired of everything and just like yell. And after that, I feel so much better. I'm just like, this is awesome. It's like therapeutic for me. That's so awesome. Um, speaking of playing songs live, we know that Hotel Lobby might be the most requested, but what's your favorite to play live? I think that's a two-way tie between, we always open with Mansion. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mansion and Cloudy Days because they both hold so much like closeness to me because I wrote them the, the same week my junior year of college. I was going by Vacant House. And I did an album called Vacant House or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was Mansion. The first version of Mansion did sound like it just had the lyrics because I wrote the lyrics to Bunk, to Blood Bank by Bon Iver. And then Cloudy Days. Those two songs are basically the, old, the oldest songs we play live. So I have a personal connection to those lyrics. Because like Cloudy Days was about like... Um, depression and like how it affects people around you and you being afraid it's going to isolate yourself from them and make them feel worse mm-hmm. and then mansions about just my own my own head and like talking about basically paralyzed like the metaphor of like my head being a mansion an empty mm-hmm. mansion that has all these problems and so I feel like those two songs hold the like the most for me so those are the two favorite to play live and bunk bed because I get to like yell and headbang and then some of the newer stuff honestly but yeah, the newer stuff for sure, just because just because we're just like so nervous. And then once it isn't a train wreck, we just all look at each other and like, oh yeah, that totally went well. But definitely like, <laughs> tied for number one though is like Mansion and Cloudy Days. Oh, I love for that. Sure. This just makes me want to go like as soon as it's safe to find a way to like visit Memphis so I can experience okay. like a live show. <laughs> oh, dude, the second everything is normal, we're going to go on tour because we were supposed to go on tour in June. Like I spent like two months oh. like painstakingly booking um, and getting a lot of rejection, mean rejection letters. Not, not really, they were really nice actually, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and we were supposed to go on tour and we were so stoked and we ended up not being able to. So we'll definitely, cause you say you're in Florida. Yeah. My, my girlfriend's from Florida. So we'll definitely like do that, do the whole yes. shebang, shebang and go down there and play. Cause uh, I don't know, sit, I, I miss live shows. I miss, live shows and I miss like touring you know we only went on like one tour I still miss touring yeah (laughs) I know I miss live music so much it's like I think the only thing that's like keeping me from being like even more sad about it is knowing that there's like nobody I want to see is doing any of it nobody's going to shows and it's like that weird thing where it's like I don't have that um FOMO at least yeah so it makes it a little bit easier if that makes sense (laughs) But yeah, I want COVID to be over for so many reasons. And that's, that's, that's definitely one of them. (laughs) Um, So to kind of pivot back to your music here, what's something you really want like your listeners to get out of listening to Black Hippie? I feel like I want to first off be someone to tell them that like, it's okay that whatever they're going through happens and that they're not alone. Someone else has experienced something like that. And feels the same way about it, and that it's okay to like feel down. Because I feel like when you're like depressed or anything like that, people are always like, "Hey, man, you know, like something's wrong with you for feeling down. Like if something bad happens to you, you can be sad about it, and it's okay." And I kind of want my music to say that, and I also want like music to like show a bunch of like weird black kids that maybe playing sports and skinny jeans um, <laughs> can, uh, I don't know, realize that it's okay to be weird and different and unique, and like there's no cookie cutter for who you are supposed to be as a person. And I hope like me as an artist can show people, show like black kids that and my music can show people that like, it's okay to feel bad. It's okay to go through things. It's okay to not feel up to doing anything that day. You can lay, lay in bed all day 
and listen to music and cry. And the next day you can, you know, get up and, you know, go about your day. So I feel like I want, that's what I want listeners to get from it. That's so special and important. I think especially the visibility of like, you know, being somebody who is working really hard and is black and independent music. That's so Mm -hmm. crucial right now. And also just like being who you are so thoroughly embracing being the weird kid and stuff who's like taking all that energy into being creative that's so important and I think it makes a difference for people to be able to see that because then you know marginalized people are kind of like oh yeah I can do that too there's a space for me because obviously there are other people now doing it like I remember like two of the biggest things that I think for me was I don't know like I remember when I played with Proper from Brooklyn Mm-hmm. and they they hit us up and played with us and they came to Memphis on tour I remember just that whole night it was like them and Alfred and I remember like watching them play and playing with them being like dude I don't think I've ever had a show where it was just almost nothing but black people playing and I was like this is amazing like I, that I was geeked off that and then when we got on we were on the cover of Afropunk this like in the summer I was like dude every dude that said I want black enough bro hey guess what I'm on the cover of Afropunk you can't get blacker than Afro <laughs> so take that but like I feel like those two like things are really crucial I mean and like playing with proper and like just like because me like me and Eric are cool and like being to talk to him and like um and just like he's like random so like we'll just like talk very randomly on Facebook occasionally and it's like just a little bit of that it's just like so cool like dude it's like there's other people that are doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. that look like me and I'm like this is awesome and then like this whole summer I did a deep dive into like finding out other artists like Mint Green and like Rest Assure and like Team and Aid and Black Surfer and like listen to all these bands that are doing the same kind of music, like doing like indie music, punk music, alternative music, and like like they look like me, and like they they're there's like their stuff hits me deeper because I'm like oh man like I feel I like connected to this like those mm-hmm. are my people like it's amazing and I think like I just want to be another one another one of those bands that does that for like black kids. Oh, 100 percent. I I feel like you're doing that already, and that's only going to continue to grow, especially because of like just your motivation and like you feeling that sense of community with other black bands and people who mm-hmm. um, have like black members of their bands and like putting them at the center stage of like shows rather than it being like this weird tokenizing stuff. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's so important. And if anything, it's like that, that sense of community, I feel like helps motivate everybody within that space of like, mm-hmm. yeah, we can all do this and we can all be visible for, um, for people who need to see us. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, it's key. And I think, especially now, I feel like now the spotlight's been put on a little more. Mm-hmm. I think prior to like the events of this year, um, people kind of like forget about black art sometimes. And I feel like a lot of like labels don't want to take the chance on it a lot of the times. There was a whole article Pitchfork came out with and then like Don Giovanni was talking about it. Um, Don Giovanni talks about it a lot on their Twitter and then like Father Daughter Records also talk about it a lot on their Twitter. I think it's really good because mm-hmm. like they're, there because I feel like it always gets pushed into some kind of like predetermined genre that's safe for black people to do like if some like I've been thinking about like one of my favorite records was commies uh just like the movies that came out like two years two or three years ago and it was pushed as a rap album even though in my opinion it was more like electronic or alternative mm-hmm. and I was just because like the guy rapped a few on a few songs it's like oh it's rap or oh it's R&B or it's all oh, this indie R&B and I'm like no it's can be alternative like Black, black voices don't just exist in their own little tiny predetermined boxes. And if they're not in those boxes, like, ooh, we don't know how to market it. Just market it as the music it is. Mm-hmm. If it's alternative, market is alternative. And you think about like the, um, one of the, like the pioneers of Shige is the Velt. They signed to a label in like, 
early 90s and they end up getting shelved because like the labels like oh we don't know how to market them and they kind of just fell to the wayside and i'm like or like majesty crush like they signed with the label the label ended up going under and then like they were doing really well in the uk but they were from detroit michigan so like they weren't able to go over to to england they end up just dissolving like i, I don't want i think that happened so much in like the earlier days that i think now like should be a bigger push for <laughs> which it has been for black artists to get signed black artists to get bigger and like doing different things than just instead of just like rap and hip-hop which no disrespect like rap rap it's like one of the most versatile and interesting genres that exist in today's music so i'm not, right. I'm not i don't want to say that as like throwing shade at it at all i just think that like black voice exists in everything and i feel like there's just in the indie sphere and the alternative sphere, the rock sphere the punk sphere it gets so either tokenized or so like pushed to the side and not like important i feel like it should be a focal point and we should have the same chances as all these other artists are do right well you shouldn't be marketed any differently it's just this is exactly. your sound go for it so mm-hmm. No, I totally respect that. And that's, uh, that's something that I hope more and more people, particularly the movers and shakers and decision makers of mm-hmm. like independent music, they are finally catching on. I think it's starting to for sure. And I, yeah, I hope to sure. see that more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, on a kind of similar note to the question I asked you before, uh, what's something maybe you want people to know about Black Hippie that maybe they don't know right now? Um, Black Hippie is four dudes with short attention spans <laughs> that are trying to change indie rock for the better and create create a world where being being weird is cool and it's okay. And my like part like and like I have so many other things I want to do within creative fields that aren't just music. And I feel like this is this can be like the the catapult. But I think what people will know about Hippie, that's pretty much it. We're weird. We make sad songs. <laughs> and we're just and we're just like normal dudes. I feel like none of us did music to be cool. None of us ever felt cool. We never got treated like we were celebrities. So we do music for the sake of doing music and art for art's sake. And we just hope that we can reach as many people as possible with art and make them their days better. I love that. And they want to get a good cry out, man. <laughs> Pop in bunk bed, cuddle up to your loved one and just just, just let it out. that's so true you've definitely created a space where it's like safe to like express that emotion and just go in on it Mm -hmm. that's so awesome um you kind of mentioned that you know you want a black hippie to kind of be um perhaps a a jumping point for you to do other creative stuff what other creative things would you want to be able to do so i have like i have like a couple ideas like one um is i really want to do like because i've worked at school of rock i want to do a school of rock that centers on the inner cities of memphis and we bust a bunch of kids out take them to like after schools every time and like they can do their homework there they can learn instruments based on based off their music taste we put them in bands take them over on small tours over the summer so they don't have to be because like a lot of bad things happen in the inner cities over the summer um and you know just get them out of that environment and like set up like a patreon so like they record a song every month for their patreon they make some money off that um i also want to do like i have the two tv show ideas there's one called art school and it's about being like black and in like predominantly white art spaces which i feel like I'm an expert, but um, so basically around like these two kids, one, both from the hood, one went to a predominantly white high school, one went to inner city high school, their best friends, they go out to predominantly white art, liberal arts, arts college. And I wrote the whole pilot episode, the first episode. And then it just came to me like when I was like driving home from like when I was still working in the preschool. And then I want a, uh, like some kind of like adventure time, regular show kind of cartoon that stars a non-binary person of color. Uh, yeah, those like a bunch of those little ideas and stuff like that. There's just so much I want to do. 
And I love all of these ideas. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm always obsessed with like film and stuff like that. My brother's a film major and I get a lot of that from like, my granddad was doing that. My granddad worked for Stax Records doing like their marketing and stuff like that and like taking pictures, like graphic design and all that stuff. So like all that's like in me, but like I'm not predominantly good at it if that'd be the only thing I do. So it's like, I'm really good at music and that's probably the only thing I'm like, <laughs> I'm like naturally gifted at and like everything else, like things I want to dip into and like do other things. So I feel like it's all about representation. I feel like so many people need representation for like any, any marginalized person. It's just anybody in general needs representation somewhere in media. And I feel like, I'm a team, I feel like a lot of these like networks have been doing really well with LGBTQ like representation, which makes me like so happy. Cause I'm like, I couldn't imagine like growing up so different and not being able to turn the TV on and see someone that looks like you. Yeah. And like, I also experienced that. Cause like I turn the TV on, it's just like a lot of these shows like stereotype, stereotypical black dude, stereotypical black dude. And then like Atlanta came out and I was like, dude, I'm so much like Ern. I was like, dude, I relate to that guy so much. And like seeing that and feeling that was like, or like this cartoon Craig of the Creek on Cartoon Network. Yes. my jam. I saw that shit, took one episode and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is how like my family is. This is like how, what I grew up around, this is like my, my, like who me and my brother are. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So like having that feeling, I was like, I want to create that feeling as much as humanly possible, not just in music, but in like, in like media and like TV shows, stuff like that, like other mediums. So like, there's always representation from, for like people that are like me and people that aren't even, aren't even like me or might be slightly like me. Like everybody needs representation. So I feel like that's something I really want to work with and stuff. That's so exciting. And I feel like even just like having the ideas can be so important because you know, you can always bring on everybody else to your team, exactly. what you do with a band to like, yeah. you know, help you out with the skills that maybe you aren't as good at and stuff. And I love that you call out visibility and how important that is in so many different types of media and stuff. Cause I know for me, like there's been a push over the last like two or three years for more like Latinx representation on television. Yeah. And mm -hmm. for me, that has been such a game changer because like I've always felt like I've been whitewashed. So for me to be able to like reconnect yeah. with my culture more and stuff, mm -hmm. it's just so really special to have that. And I, I deeply admire anybody who's pushing to like make sure people get represented as, as their most like, most like authentic selves rather than mm -hmm. what people perceive you as. Yeah, I totally feel that. That's so awesome. Well, um, I got to ask you with all these ideas going on and everything happening with Black Hippie, what all are you working on this year? What are some we of your are, goals? Next month, we are going to the studio to record our first full-length album. Yay! I am, <laughs> I am flat out stoked. The stuff we're writing is like, man, like my goal for this record was to make Bunk Bed seem like the worst songs I've ever written. My goal was to like, because I'm literally competitive, so like I like competing with myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Bunk Bed's the bar. Every song has to be better than Bunk Bed. I want people to listen to that record and be like, what's Bunk Bed? Like, so like the stuff we're writing is so good and so <laughs> complex and so weird because I feel like a lot of it is like a full representation of, because I feel like Bunk Bed and then the rest of his record was a full representation of, um, I was a, when I went back to school, college last year, uh, I was a composition major. And I feel like they talked about this thing called through composing, which is like basically like, instead of having like a set A, B, A, B, like first course, first course, first course, the whole thing is, it just goes with the feeling of it, like the flows with it. Everything just flows like fluidly or whatever. So I feel like this whole record is like basically like the representation of my semester of being a composition major and this is like with our new guitar player I get to like you know I, like if you know he's writing a song or like if he's not and I write the parts and I'm like he's so good I like I get to like I have so much freedom like this is the most freedom I ever had with a band and this record is going to be amazing it's gonna should I I don't I'm, I'm not gonna say the title of it yet I feel like 
I mean, no one's keeping me from it, but yeah, I'll just say it. Whoever cares? It's gonna be called "If You Feel Alone at Parties." I love and the this. Premise, and the premise is, I don't know. I've, always, I've been to a lot of parties and stuff, and like shows and stuff, and like been around people, and I always feel alone sometimes. You get that mm-hmm. feeling of like alone, like loneliness, and this whole record's supposed to be about like that. It's like you're surrounded by so many people, but you still feel alone and isolated. So the whole record's gonna be based around that. It's going to be so good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> This is everything. And I feel like you're going to tap into, at least for me, this very real experience that I think I perpetually have in mm-hmm. social spaces. Yeah. So I am so stoked. And if bunk bed is like supposed to be the minimum, I am beyond hyped already. Uh, it's it's going to be, cool. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'll, I, sh- I got to email you. When we yes. Get, uh, we get the, fir- we get the, the final mixes back. I'll, I'll, I'll sneak you a few songs. <laughs> yes, I they're appreciate gonna, gonna that. Dead. Yeah, and you got to come back on once the album drops because we got to talk about it in detail. I'm so stoked. (laughs) (laughs) So on that same like exciting, uh, exciting hype there, I got to ask you the question I always ask at the end of every interview. If you could play a show with any three bands or artists that can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, who would it be? Um, Number one would be my dream is to play with the Strokes. So it has to be the Strokes number one. Yes. Number two, I want to play with Majesty Crush. They're the shoegaze band I was talking about from, from the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with them. I would do anything to play a show. Like, uh, the, lead, the lead singer's dead. But if I could bring them back to life and go back to there, I would do them. And I want to say number three would be, man, probably the Smiths. Ooh, okay. Yeah, like 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 before Marissi was like a massive racist, like right before then. <laughs> um, I would want to play with them because it's like I love Johnny Marr. Uh-huh. I like oh man, I try to study Johnny Marr. I've tried to study Johnny Marr so much this year, which is how he used the chorus pedal and like how he writes his licks and stuff like that. Because I do this thing where like I study, like I took like a, a summer I studied the strokes, like the strokes lyricism, stuff like that. Cause I like I like I look at music very academically. Mm-hmm. So I would love, man, to like just like open for them and then just like get off the stage and just hear like him play like last night I dreamt someone loved like going to bear no no I would I would die that would be amazing so like those would be my three so strokes smiths and majesty crush I I love your picks these are all fantastic and especially knowing how well you've like kind of studied their songwriting and stuff and tried to Mm -hmm. like learn so that way you could try to take these pieces of information and put toward your songwriting and stuff that's so exciting Mm -hmm. to me um, I hope that we can somehow get you so hyped that the Strokes see you and they want to play a show with you at I some would, point. I would love that. I would we're gonna <laughs> we're sending the vibe into the universe. This is this has got to happen at some point in your career because I feel like you're getting a lot of really awesome attention right now, and I hope mm. it just continues to grow for you. Thank you. Of course. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me, Josh, and talking to me about all things Black Hippie. Where can okay. everybody keep up with you all on the internet? Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Black Hippie 901, B-L-V-C-K-H-I-P-P-I-E 901. Um, we're all music on Spotify, like click that, like follow button on Spotify, get those algorithms right with Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music, everything, even Tidal. Um, yeah, like follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. Um, yeah, like best way to keep up with us is definitely Instagram. Get those followers up <laughs> to seem cool. <laughs> I appreciate it and like if you like our stuff like dm us it'll take a while to get back to you because i have like real bad anxiety about replying so but just like if you like our stuff like follow us messages like our stuff we sell merch off our band camp oh, our, ba- our band camp is the best way to get our stuff so like if a band camp friday rolls around hop on that buy some songs but that's the best way to keep up with us 
Awesome. All right, everybody, please make sure that you support Black Hippie because they're awesome. And it's been great talking with you, Josh. Oh, thank you. so much to Josh for hanging out and sharing all of what's gone into this band's music and what he envisions for it. Be sure to stream these brilliant songs and give them a follow. I can't wait to see what Josh and Black Hippie do next. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. 
Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, Sam Zarwitz, Orla Tinsey, and Erica Fries. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and remember your community. We're here for you. Take care. Bye for now.
Oh, oh, oh.